Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, are you ready to talk some football? Winning Football from the state of Mississippi over the weekend. If that fits you, then you're in the right place. This is Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV on a Monday afternoon. We're coming to you from the Pearl River Resort studio. Pearl River Resort is the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. Learn more about them online at pearlriverresort.com. Alongside Brian Haydad and Michael Borky, I'm Richard Cross. You can join us on the Ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. Ceasefire customer inspired. We got to get to the blitz and we'll do that in just a second, but before we do, quick thought from each of you about the weekend that was as we roll into uh, the Monday edition of the show. In the SEC West, if you go on the road and you win, it is a good day. We'll get into the minutia of the games not being pretty and stuff like that, but at the end of the day, if you go on the road in the SEC West and you come home a winner, it's a good day. First and foremost, it's a good day. Okay. Uh, I believe the kids say, U-G-L-Y, you ain't got no alibi. State and Ole Miss win ugly. Did you hear that one word, though? They won. Hey, Dan. Win. You lose 100% of the games that you do not win. You cannot go on the road and lose games and win them. That is correct. And with that, it's time for the Blitz. Back to Thursday night, James Madison stayed perfect on the year. Still can't compete in the postseason, but they are 7-0. Went to Huntington, West Virginia. Never an easy place to play. Got a 20-9 victory over the Marshall Thundering Herd. Uh, One of those lines that didn't make just a whole ton of sense going into the weekend. It didn't quite qualify for fishy line status, but it made you raise your eyebrows just a bit. Why? Well, maybe they knew something. Boston College, 38-23 over Georgia Tech in Atlanta. Not sure that I saw that one coming. Big game at 
uh, the Horseshoe in Columbus, Ohio. And it was Ohio State with another resume-building win as the merry-go-round of Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan has begun. Ohio State's got the early lead in the clubhouse, 20-12 to over the Nittany Lions. That defensive end whose name I cannot pronounce, he do- I mean, he's tall and he's thick, but he doesn't look like he's supposed to be as fast and explosive as he is. 44, that guy's incredible. That reporter's name, who I cannot remember, that asked a long and winding question, might have been onto something. Hey, James, you ever think you might not have just forced the ball down the field? Drew Aller, nearly in tears after the game, 18 of 42, 191 and a touchdown. Kyle McCord, 22 of 35, 286 and a touchdown in the game. Um, yards were hard to come by for uh, for both teams. Total yards, 240 for Penn State. 365 for Ohio State. Troy Calhoun, maybe not the most truthful coach in America. His quarterback played and played well enough to beat the Naval Academy 17-6. to That was at a sold-out Navy Marine Corps Stadium in Annapolis, Maryland. One of the games of the day that perhaps we didn't see coming came from Norman, Oklahoma. 31-29, OU over UCF. John Rice Plumley returned and played pretty well. 16 of 30, 248 yards, couple of touchdown passes, but a two-point conversion stop at the end was the difference in the ball game. That was after US, uh, UCF scored with a minute 16 to play to get it within two. Birmingham, they call it the Battle of the Bones. It's a rib joke. Memphis and UAB. At the half, tied at 21. Perhaps UAB should have been ahead if they'd kicked the field goal instead of going for it. In the second half, all Memphis. They scored 17 in the third, 7 in the fourth, pitched a shutout. Memphis 45, UAB 21. Sometimes hiring the right coach makes the difference in whether you are a winning program or a losing program. May I point you to Piscataway, New Jersey. Rutgers heads to Indiana, and they win convincingly, 31-14. to Pitched a second-half half shutout in the ballgame. Greg Schiano and Rutgers rolling or chopping wood. Tom Allen hoping that Indiana can't find the money for his buyout. For the first time in their brief history as a member of the American Athletic Conference, the Charlotte 49ers came out on top. East Carolina. A once proud program, like a year ago, struggling. They are now one and six on the year as Biff Pogey and the Charlotte 49ers go on the road and they win 10-7 over the Pirates of ECU. Is there a stranger team in the country than Oklahoma State? No. So they lost at home 33 to seven to South Alabama. And it wasn't even that close. And then they went on the road to Iowa State and lost in Ames. And since then, all they've done is beat Kansas State at home, beat Kansas at home, and gone on the road to win 38, oh, what was it, 48-34, Oklahoma State over West Virginia. West Virginia going the wrong direction after that 4-1 start. They've now dropped two in a row. Uh, Remember last week we had the marquee game with Oregon and Washington State? It was like a lot was taken out of both of those teams. Oregon, at least, was able to score some points. 38-24, they win against Washington State in Eugene. The uh, the Cougs are in a bit of a tailspin. They have now lost three in a row. Cameron Ward, good day offensively, 438 yards passing, 
Bo Nix, plenty of fishing. 18 to 25, 293, and a couple of touchdowns in the win. Tennessee carried a 27 uh, to lead, a 22-7 lead into the locker room at Bryant Denny. And boy, the big orange was feeling good. Was or were? The big orange was feeling good. Yeah, I think. Um, that was before they got shut out 27 to nothing in the second half. What were we left with? Just complaining about the officials. That's all. Um, Bama in the second half. Touchdown field goal. Touchdown field goal. Touchdown. Crimson Tide keeps rolling 34-20 over Tennessee. Smoke them if you got them. Um, Nebraska over Northwestern, 17-9. Said maybe the right coach is the uh, the right guy. Maybe. Matt Rule. Matt Rule in Nebraska. They're two wins away from bowl eligibility. That would That's be a step in the right direction for the corn shucks. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. For sure. Um, you know who else is rolling? The Missouri Tigers. And they just made mince meat of South Carolina. 34 to 12. Kind of stumbled around in the third quarter a little bit, but this one never in doubt. Missouri's now 7 and 1 on the year. Brady Cook, 14 to 24. Buck 98 and a touchdown. Another good day for Cody Schrader. 26 carries, 159 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Wisconsin, now 5-2 and two on the year under their new first-year head coach, Luke Fickle. They win 25-21 on the road against Illinois. Luke Altmaier, by the way, 13-21 for 100 yards. He did have two touchdowns passes in the game. Oh, poor Iowa. Speaking of officiating, oh, my goodness. The Stripes wiped a win off the board for the Hawkeyes at home in Iowa City. yes. The under hit, Minnesota 12, Iowa 10. And guess what? Even if they hadn't taken that punt return touchdown off the board, the under still would have hit. Hey. Kurt Ferentz is going to have to fire his kid. Texas, uh, it was not easy. They had to come up with a defensive stop on fourth down to keep Houston out of the end zone. My question is if Houston had scored with a minute or so left in the ball game, would they have gone for two? At home to try and secure Holger? the win? Holgo? Yeah. They you go for you seen the hair Holgerson goes with on a daily basis? Yeah, he's going for two. He's got 31, no fear. 31-24, horns over Cougs. Quinn Ewers, a couple of touchdowns, just 211 yards. Upset of the day came well, to the ACC. Hurt, as you, I don't know if you saw it. He got hurt. Not going to play this weekend, possibly. Oh, yeah. Oh, I did not see that. Not going to be Arch Manning time, though. He's he's not ahead at the moment. He's been running third string, and that's how it's going to be. Upset of the day came in the ACC. Virginia 31, North Carolina 27. Are you kidding me? How does that happen? Virginia's bad. North Carolina's good. But on this day, Virginia was better. Drake May threw for 347, a couple of touchdowns. But Tony Musket... The quarterback for the Hoos, leading them to a win in Chapel Hill. K-State 41-3 over TCU. Jordan Travis was special late at home against Duke. Florida State scored 21 unanswered in the fourth quarter to go from behind to an 18-point win. LSU clearly not patriotic. 62 to nothing over the Army Black Knights. Michigan, you know what? Hold that thought. We're going to finish the blitz when we come back. There, there are three or four more scores that we need to get to, and uh, I feel like I need to elaborate on this one. Sports Talk Mississippi, with you, just getting started on this Monday afternoon in the Pearl River Resort Studio. 
Sports Talk Mississippi. Are you ready? On the Super Talk app, supertalk.fm, and always on your local Super Talk Mississippi station. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi. We're going to jump into the games from the weekend in just a minute. But we need to finish the Blitz. Can we go back to the music even, Borky? Re-rack the, the music as we finish? Oh, there it is. Feels so good. As I was going to say just a moment ago, I just needed a little more time. Who on earth? could manage to make Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines the sympathetic figures. Oh, God, none, no. other, none other than their in-state rival. <laughs> all, you, all you gotta do, all you gotta do to make Michigan a sympathetic figure in the eyes of the world no, is, no, to, don't do it. is to have a, a pre-game trivia question in which you ask about the country of uh, country of origin for perhaps the worst human being to ever live, Don't and then when you that. give the when you give the answer, you put a picture of one of the worst people to ever live smiling on your video board, smiling with a small mustache and an <laughs> evil smile. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Michigan State, you made Michigan the sympathetic figure. That's nearly impossible to do, and yet you didn't just accomplish it. You slam dunked it. You jumped from the free throw line and flushed it like Jordan. Ay. 49 to nothing. Too bad it wasn't double that. Michigan <laughs> literally still undefeated. On their video board. They did a fun fact about Hitler during a football game. God, don't say his name! They did it during a football game! A fun fact! I tried. J.J. McCarthy with twenty. I I avoided the name. I thought I made you proud. You did good. You You did good. You you got to spell it out. That's what they did. Oh, people knew. I didn't have to spell it out. It was known. A fun fact? (laughs) J.J. McCarthy, 21 of 27, 287, and four touchdowns in the win. Uh, let's go to Southern California and the Coliseum. We got more, Borky. I got more. We got a lot to talk. We got a lot. We got a lot. I, I know. I know. Um, 15 points in the final quarter of the game. Utah, game-winning field goal as time expires. 34-32, Southern Cal. We'll get to losers later. Um, what a game! What good a game, game that was really, really good game. Was. Yeah, Lincoln. It's, here's here's your take of the day. Uh, people are saying that Lincoln Riley went to USC and and his his teams are worse. I disagree. I think it's the exact same team that he's had for years at Oklahoma. The conference is better. This is the blitz. This isn't time for takes. We have many time for takes. Much time for takes. Winners and losers, all of those things. Let's get to the end of the blitz. Miami in double overtime, 28-20 over Clemson. 
The Washington Huskies, they win. They stay undefeated. But on the heels of that massive win over Oregon, 15-7 over Arizona State. Who falls to 1-6? Pac-12 bailed themselves out with uh, whatever officiating crew they sent to that game. Michael Penix? As pedestrian as his numbers can possibly be, 27 to 42, 275, no touchdowns, two interceptions. UCLA 42 to 7 over Stanford on the farm. And that is your blitz as we get things started on Sports Talk Mississippi on this Monday. Thanks for being with us. Ceasefire text line is open 601 879 4395. Let's just go straight to Fayetteville. Where Mississippi State won a football game against the Arkansas Razorbacks. I think that's how they do it. Um, in a game that perhaps set offensive football back a couple of decades, Bulldogs won. Um, Arkansas got on the board first. Let's just start with a scoring summary. With 12.30 to go in the first quarter, the outstanding kicker for Arkansas banged it home from 25 yards to finish a six-play, 29-yard drive that took a minute and 55 off of a, uh, a an opening possession turnover, and the Razorbacks led it three to nothing. About 15 minutes, 14 minutes of game time later, Mississippi State got into the end zone. Woody Marks on a two-yard pass reception from Mike Wright to make it seven to three. That was a nine-play, 69-yard drive. That took four minutes and thirty-two seconds. After that, there was there was nothing. After that, seven to three, your final dogs win. (laughs) Your turn, hey Dad. Well, what else do you need to know? Uh, Hey, they got the W, right? That's all that matters. Woof. Uh, First time MSU has won a game. You woofed. I woofed. Woof. Woof. Buzz, your girlfriend. Uh, First. <laughs> Great reference. He may not That's have seen good. Karate That's Kid, good. but he's seen Home Alone. Nailed it. Good job. Uh, that is the first win for state where they scored in single digits since 1987. Mm. M- Mississippi State 9, Memphis 6 was the last time. Memphis State, I should say, 6. Mm-hmm. Uh, this has happened. Um, my favorite part of this game, and we talked about this on the podcast uh, for today, I can debate you all day on the greatest touchdown, the greatest game, the greatest players in Mississippi State history, but there can be no debate that the greatest penalty in Mississippi State history is Xavion Thomas's false start, which saved a touchdown and saved the win for Mississippi State. I've never seen anything like that. The play of the game was a false start. Um if you were watching was, and, and you don't remember the specific yeah. play, it was yet another spot where the snap kind of rolled its way back, bounced its way back to Mike Wright. He goes chasing it, kicks it, it gets bounced around. Arkansas finally picks it up, scoops and scores. And i got to be honest with you, I'm watching in real time and I'm seeing the official that's kind of at the bottom of the screen waving his hands over his head, and I'm going, you blew the play, Dad. What are you doing? How do you stop that play? And then I realize, oh, oh, that was a dead ball foul. That That is a five-yard penalty on Mississippi State. They just took points off the board. It was the only way it appeared that Arkansas was going to score. 
it's hard for me to believe that Mississippi State would have scored to have overcome that deficit. I don't know. I, I, don't, I think don't think they, they would, would have. have. I mean, they missed a field goal, so I mean, it could have tied it up there, I guess. But you know, it is it is what it is. There, um, my favorite part of that whole exchange was the the Arkansas fan just saying, "Wave it off, wave it off." Doesn't matter. <laughs> like you don't know that that's a dead ball foul. That does matter. Um, Mike Wright. I mean, was really limited in terms of the play calling, but at the same time, I think the play calling was was kind of done to keep him from uh, from himself. Sometimes, uh, just just I mean, if you ever wondered why Will Rogers was the starting quarterback, now you know Mike Wright is just not a, a competent enough passer. You know, he's great with his feet; he can he can do some things there, but in terms of being able to move the ball with with the when the passing game, he just can't do it. The problem and is being so elite be a... with your feet only. If you can't throw the ball, mm-hmm. is you, you can't win a game that way. See Auburn. Yeah, there there were a couple of times, even in that game though, where I, I was yelling at the TV, "Take off, run, run, run!" Where, where he would have yeah. uh, maybe like one guy in space where he would throw the ball anyway, and you know if that's the one thing you're good at, then just go be good at that. Uh, and didn't seize uh, opportunities always there, but yeah. I mean, yeah, there's the play now if you're watching on Super Talk TV. Yeah. Uh, State, has, uh, if they're going to go this route with Mike Wright, and, I, and based on everything I know that I don't expect Rodgers back this week, um, they've got to find a way to call plays to suit him a little bit better. More, Some more zone read, some more designed quarterback runs. That, that's the only way forward. There he is. There's my guy right there. <laughs> False start. Decline it. You can't decline a false start, you moron. And uh, my favorite just, was the uh, the girl that was sitting there, where she just looked at the camera and she went, "A perfect ninety degree thumbs down to her." There, like <laughs> you could have cut paper between her thumb and her forefinger. There, it's incredible. Um, yeah, this game had. If you were a, a fan of sad fans and surrender cobras, this was a tremendous uh, game for you. There were plenty of them. God, missing that field goal was incredible. Um, Did you so think they lost State, uh, when he missed that? Was, was your thought, oh, it's over, Arkansas is going to go score? And I, I didn't think Ar- the way Arkansas had played all day, I did not think that they could do it. I, I thought, you know, when they got out to midfield here towards the end, I was a little bit nervous because I knew KJ had the arm strength to get the ball into the end zone. He didn't though. But State doesn't. He didn't even that. get the hail mary into the end zone. He left it short. It was only a fifty-five it's yard like, pass from where he let it go. It's it's like right at the end zone. He he, he would have been. I think he's okay there. Hey, Dad, you have regardless. to get that pass into the end. End zone on a hail mary. It, it, it's like right at the goal line. <laughs> oh, okay. So if Arkansas catches that ball short of the goal line, what happens? The exact well, same right thing that happened. Line. Seven to three. Right line. Well, I'll take that too. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Take the friggin' wax out of here. Did you hear me? This is Sports Talk. Sports Talk. Mississippi. I say sports fans. Now, here's more on Super Talk Mississippi. Talk a little 
little bit more about the dogs and the hogs as Arkansas goes down at home to Mississippi State. Final score, 7-3. to three. Let's talk about the good first, beyond the fact that Mississippi State won the game. Hey, there was nothing that Mississippi State needed more than a win. And people love to tell you before a game starts, I'll take a one-point win or a 1,000-point win, just give me a win. Well, it was ugly, and no doubt. And the offense was abysmal, and no doubt. But they, we, we have a scoreboard. Every stadium in the SEC has at least one scoreboard. Most of them have multiple. And they put the number of points that both teams get, and when the game goes to completion, it's all zeros on the clock. You either get a check mark in a column on the left-hand side or on the right-hand side, and State got a check mark in the left-hand column on Saturday. And that is absolutely what they have. So we start there with the good. But to me, the next thing in the good is the play of two leading tacklers returning in the SEC in uh, in Buki Watson and, and Jet Johnson. I thought they were phenomenal. And they just tackled and tackled and tackled and tackled and tackled. And Bookie Watson, one of your uh, now traditional co-SEC defensive players of the week. The SEC can't just give one guy the award anymore. You get a trophy. Um, defensively, you get a trophy and you get a trophy. Defensively, yeah, you know, there's a lot of positives to take away because this is a defense that had not played well all year under at any game. Uh, just two weeks ago, they gave up uh, twenty, was it twenty-eight points to Western Michigan? Um, so to go out and, and hold an SEC offense that had scored, you know, twenty-plus points on LSU, Ole Miss, uh, Alabama, there's there's a lot of good from that. I found it interesting today at the press conference when asked about differences in the game plan differences. Did he, you know, we would kind of wanted to ask, did Arnett take play calling back from from Brock on this? And he said, no, no differences. So I personally would have been like, yeah, a lot of differences, just because it makes it sound like the other option is Arkansas was so bad that even this worst defense in the conference the conference was able to stop them at will. I mean, it's quite possible that no team in SEC play will play a better defensive game than Mississippi State did on Saturday, only giving up three points, only giving up 200 yards. The, the second best game might be what Arkansas did to Mississippi State. And then only giving up seven points in 205 well, now, now, yards. Hold on a second. I, I'm not sure I – now, statistically, it may be the best game, best defensive performance in the SEC this year. Statistically. Right. Yeah, that's what I mean, yeah. But but a, but a defense – I mean, you, you could watch a game where you see a defense go out and play and shut down a competent offense and make big plays and turn the game around where you're like, that was an elite defensive yeah. performance. But is there going to be a game where somebody gets fewer than gets shut out, basically? And is there going to be a game where somebody gives up fewer than 200 yards? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Probably not. What so, would be the answer to that? If, yeah. But of course, that, you know, we we tried that la- we tried that a few weeks ago with uh, the Ole Miss kickers field goal, and then the very next week somebody beat it. So I look happened. forward to whoever I guess whoever gets shut out this week. We're sorry we jinxed you. Uh, Vanderbilt's in in real trouble, but. The, the point's a good one because, you know, the, the game it was very ugly. 7-3 is, I mean, it's one of the worst football games that you can watch, especially in this era where points just happen, I mean, even on accident sometimes. And for that to be what the game was, was was a very hard watch. But I think there's there's been a lot of, 
well, Arkansas is just bad. And I think that's disingenuous because, as Haydad pointed out, this is an Arkansas team that's already played Texas A&M at a neutral site. They've already been to Baton Rouge. They've been to Oxford, and they've been to Tuscaloosa. And that was their worst offensive output of the year, and that's at home. So when when it's ugly and when it's bad, it's only half bad. Now, I know that Arkansas lost six games in a row, and they just fired their offensive coordinator, a guy they should have never hired to begin with. If we're being totally honest, that fit never made sense, and nobody but us talked about it this offseason. I remember bringing that up in August, like, hey, why is nobody talking about Dan Enos being at Arkansas? Like, that's just going to go well? It didn't. Eight games in, they fire him, and they're paying him $3.5 million for that. But to, to just dismiss it as, well, Arkansas is bad, and that's why State's defense was so good, I don't think that's fair. I think that's a little disingenuous. That they played really well on Saturday, on that side of the ball. They did. And, again, two weeks ago against a bad MAC team, they gave up a ton of points in yards. So that's not that. That's a good defensive game for Mississippi State. Um, is it replicable? I don't know because I don't feel like I'm going to get an answer this week when they play Auburn, who is is just as bad offensively as is uh, Arkansas. Then they'll play Kentucky. This is all good news for Mississippi State, though. These games I'm mentioning, winnable. These are winnable football games for Mississippi State coming forward. So. They, they, they needed the win. They needed to look better defensively. I mean, how much different is the game if the blindside block doesn't get called as a penalty and the field goal is good and it's 17-3? to I think we're talking about two different games at that point. But they needed the win and they needed to play better defensively. They did those two things. And now it's just about with another week of repetition, can Mike Wright give you a little bit more? Can you find a way for Mike Wright to give you more offensively? If you can do that and play defense like you played on Saturday, you got a chance to win some games. Was there any other good? <sighs> That's a mean I mean, question. I for, for, <laughs> well, no, I mean, no, you know, I, 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 I want us to talk about the good because there's some bad that we got to talk about also. There is. Um, I thought from an offensive standpoint, uh, Mike Wright, he showed you what he can do with his legs. You know, he had what eighty or sixty some odd yards rushing. Uh, had a sixty yard run right? call, called back on. Uh, he he gained seventy four yards, but then when you factor in sack yardage, he had sixty yards on eleven right. carries. Right, and had a sixty yard touchdown run called back on a, on a penalty. Um, so he showed you he can do some things. You know, it, when Woody Marks is healthy, he's a dynamic player, but he is having struggling uh, doing that. Other than that, though, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, if this was a a good, bad, and ugly kind of thing, there's some good, there's a little good, there's a lot of bad, and then there's a whole heck of a lot of ugly. Yeah. It's a shame he can't stay healthy, man. He's been really good. Yeah. Yeah, he's been fantastic when when he's been able to stay in the game. So we'll see if he can do it, uh, you know, what's going to happen coming up, coming this, 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 uh, this week. So... Mike Wright just can't throw, right? I mean, is that, that's the... He's just not a, like, a like good the, thrower of the, the football. The Justin Griffin catch changed the game. Justin, right? Justin Robinson. Oh, Justin's I'm correct. sorry. I was trying to yeah. make Tulu Griffin and Justin Robinson. He merged two play. guys together. It, the yeah. Justin Robinson Boy, what a super threat. receiver that would be. Yeah, yeah it would. It, it, it changed the game because that was a poorly yeah. 
thrown football. Made a play. That was a 30-yard go route. It was a 30-yard reception. I mean, he threw it from the, the front edge of the end zone, and mm-hmm. it wobbled like a wounded duck the entire way. It was underthrown. The DB was in position to make an interception. That ball is in the air, and I'm going, oh, no. And then Justin Robinson leaps, and you're like, oh, that's what happens when you got a guy that's 6'4", 220, with like a 38-inch vertical jump, and that's exactly what he did. He just went up over everybody and said, when we got my the ball. ball. When we were talking about Penn State a few minutes ago, and we're saying sometimes you got to force the ball down the field, sometimes you got to allow your receivers to make plays. And that's what they did in that situation. They, now, would they have preferred a better thrown ball? Yeah. Yeah, it goes without saying. But they put the ball up there. Yeah, like, they you said, lay that you thing go out make there, the play. He might catch it and go 99 yards to the house. Yeah. yeah. He might, but as it was, he made the play. And yet, that was a huge play because it is able, even though State punts on that drive, they're able to flip the field position. They're not punting out of the back of their own end zone. So, and that yeah. was, that was after three straight false starts. Two mm-hmm. of which were illegal snaps, Which is after is right? this play that we're about we're about to watch here where uh, Arkansas gets to the delay of game. I wanted to talk about this a little bit. I don't know if you guys saw this quote from, from mm-hmm. Sam Pittman. It is incredible. I'm going to read the quote. I don't normally like to read the whole thing, but here we go. Somebody asked him basically what happened there. He's like, I had decided it was fourth and four, I think, right in Cam's range, and I didn't know what to do, to be perfectly honest with you. I was probably about eight seconds on the 40-second clock, maybe 10, and I decided to kick a field goal. We didn't kick it off in time. That's the truth. I did not want to call a timeout at that point because I wasn't for sure I wanted to kick a field goal. We kicked it down to the two or whatever. That To be honest with you, I didn't know what to do. I didn't make the decision fast enough. Once I got it in there, I thought we have plenty of time to kick it, but at that point I wasn't going to burn timeout. That is a SEC coach making however many millions a year telling you, six. I didn't know what to do. That is an incredible Incredible. I mean, that's the kind of quote that gets you fired. I'm surprised they didn't just go ahead and fire him, to be honest with you today. His game management for for a, multiple times this season has been egregious. Like like rookie-type stuff. Yeah. Something I, similar I, at the I end of the been, LSU game as well. I, I have been slow to the Sam Pittman's got to go party. I think he's, he's got to like go. him. Like, I, I really like Sam Pittman. But... The, the, this thing's a disaster at all at Arkansas. It might be a disaster at Auburn too, but it's a disaster at Arkansas. And uh, I proposed an idea to Haydad earlier today. Borky, I'll run this by you when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Sports Talk Mississippi, your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. Let me put it to you this way: right here on Super Talk Mississippi. <laughs> Say Borky, I threw out an idea to uh, Hey Dad earlier today. We, we missed you on our call this morning. It's okay. Uh, phone never rang, so well, I mean, we only called you twice, so right. that didn't happen. I'll Can't pull it up it. right now. I, I gotta, yeah. I gotta prove this here. Well, maybe, you, maybe you should get. I mean, it. I talked to him. Didn't it? No, there's nothing here. Well, that's a you problem. Sorry, there's nothing here. Unbelievable! How dare you? Let's see here. Show the old uh, FaceTime call. 
Actually, I don't even know. Careful, do you know. Whatever, doesn't matter. May, may show numbers. I don't want to show. Yeah, probably. Well, uh, yeah. Well, I look. I have. I have no numbers to hide. I have no reason to black out numbers on a on a big printout. There's nothing to hide here. Hey yo. And I'm not just being pri- private. You also have the common sense that if you did have numbers to black out, you'd black yeah, them but, out. Yeah. Probably you'd so. redact them. Probably so. Um, we were talking about Dan Enos being fired. And I said, it feels like if you hire somebody, if the head coach decides to hire a new coordinator in the offseason who has to be fired before that very first season ends, then it's actually the head coach who should be responsible for the buyout, not the school. You know, I don't hate that. Yeah, makes total sense to me. Hey, Dad said. Hey, Dad said. Especially if he doesn't even get past the bye week. You, you got ready date. for some crazy numbers here. So eight games, right? Mm-hmm. He beat Kent State and Western Carolina, and lost six <laughs> games in a row. Western Carolina, uh, who got beat by Furman this weekend. Go Paladins. Um, that is, so they'll pay him $3.7 million for this season and for the remainder of his contract, right? $3.7 million for those eight games, essentially. That is $41,000 per point scored by Arkansas this year. That's almost how much much we, go ahead. That's almost how much we pay Richard per show right now, as much as he misses. It's like, Hey, I'm going to be out Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday this week also. I know, I know, I know. Just staggering. Apparently, also, I didn't do this math. It's $1,600 per point or or per yard. How much? Apparently, it's $1,600 per yard. Yeah. Well, he knew he was was getting paid by the yard. And, and, and so he, uh, he he reduced the number of yards gained so that he could get a higher payment. He's like a carpet salesman. He's like, I get paid by the yard. Hmm. Carpet salesman. Uh, fourth down decision-making was a problem on Saturday for Mississippi State. By the way, please clip that, uh, that Bork here. If I don't, you will. Oh, I, yeah. I will. But I want, I want to see him dance again. I need to. That's going to be my Ole Miss scores a big touchdown. Uh, That would be great. That's going to be. What, Not nearly as good. All right, so I tweeted this on Saturday during the game. I'm not a big, you guys know I'm not a big tweeter, not a big live tweeter, but I was actually sitting there watching the game in my hotel room on, on Saturday morning, and I said, that sequence from Mississippi State, wow, that was so, so bad, and that one is on the head coach. Just told his football team, quote, we're not serious and we're not here to win, close quote. I, I'm not retracting that because they won the football game. I thought the decision to punt from midfield in what what quarter was that? Was that late first, early second quarter? Oh no, the one I think you're talking about was was third quarter. Mm-hmm. No second half, because I, I had they, they were in Arkansas territory. Yeah, I had a similar thought as you. And what frustrates me because that that this has happened twice now, where you're you're facing a fourth and short in a close game on the road, and you take a five yard penalty. I don't know why that frustrates me so bad. When and his answer today, I guess it's just a difference of philosophy because he no, said no, today no, no, no. this this was this was a first quarter move because I texted Hey Dad. Okay, this was at eleven twenty five a.m. This was in the first half. Okay, that's and like I, the second drive of the game. Well, then, yeah, there was one in the third. I think it was third quarter where they took the in, a, a delay of game on purpose mm-hmm. for for more room yeah. to punt. And and today he said 
you know, the defense is playing so well, why give them a short field? But isn't, I guess it's just a full philosophical difference. Isn't that the point, though? Your defense is playing so well. You're in plus territory. You've got fourth and this much to go. If you go for it and get it, you, you kind of end the game because your defense is playing that well. Instead, you just kind of kept giving the ball back to Arkansas and giving it back to them. And, I mean, they weren't going to score. The only three points they had were off of a turnover deep in their own territory. But still, he could have buried the game there, and you would have gotten the ball back in four plays anyway. Look, Zach Garnett deserves credit. His team won the football game, and they somehow made the adjustments that led them to be really good on defense when they've been really bad defensively this year. And so Zach Arnett gets all the credit in the world for that. Like no no commas, no yeah buts, no comma and or nothing. Just period. End of statement. Statement number two: His in-game management is poor. His in-game management better. and decision making and his feel for the game is poor, and it has. We can to come get back better. to that, but yeah, yeah. I agree. We'll start the 4 o'clock hour by shifting our attention to Auburn and talking about the Ole Miss-Auburn game from Saturday night. A lot to talk about with that one as well. We're back after this. Sports Talk Mississippi. Nothing brings people together and forms a lasting bond like sports. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your favorite teams like no one else. On the Super Talk app, supertalk.fm, and on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. Mississippi, 4 o'clock hour with you on this Monday, the 23rd of October, following week eight of the college football season. Alongside Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, I am Richard Cross. Glad to be with you in the Pearl River Resort studio, Pearl River Resort, home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Visit them online at Dancing Rabbit Golf to book your tee time or plan your trip today. Seaspire text line is open, 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from Seaspire Business. 601-879-4395. Seaspire, customer inspired. So a game that had been thought about and talked about for a long time by a bunch of Ole Miss fans and clearly had been thought about a lot for a long time by the head coach on the opposing sideline, Hugh Freeze, was played on Saturday night at Jordan-Hare Stadium. Great crowd. 88,000-plus. It was packed. It looked fantastic. I have always been very, very complimentary of Auburn's stadium and game day environment and all those things, and it looked fantastic on Saturday night. Um, Ole Miss did... What we talked about last week, what we talked about on Friday in kind of what they had to do, I thought they did what they had to do. I was intrigued by the fact that Auburn got the ball first 
it was um it's like was that a trolling move did, did you all of a sudden have immense confidence in your offense what what was the the deal because basically yeah. everybody goes on defense first and Lane Kiffin always takes the ball first and maybe Hugh Freeze always does that too I I, I don't know I, I would won the toss. If I was given the choice, I would try to keep Ole Miss's offense off the field first, considering how good they are on their first possession of basically every game. Yeah. But if you feel like you're likely going to need a bonus possession in the second half and you believe in your yeah. defense, I don't know. Uh, so Auburn got the ball first and looked like they were going to go three and out, and then they converted, and then they went three and out after that and punted it away. So it wasn't three and out. It was like... Seven and out. Uh, and Ole Miss got the ball back, and they went 48 yards in nine plays and took 6.07 off the clock. It was not like a fast tempo deal. And the drive was capped when um, Jackson Dart hit Zachary Franklin on an 11-yard touchdown pass to take a 7 to nothing lead. And I thought, all right, that, that's kind of what Ole Miss needed to do. But then Auburn came right back and scored in five plays and 75 yards in less than two minutes and a big run from Jarquez Hunter. 53-yard touchdown run. And the only person that had a chance to make a tackle on that play was Sunterian Perkins. He was kind of the offside linebacker that was coming Mm -hmm. in, and it was like a come across the field. you got to hit him and wrap him up. He kind of dived at him, didn't get a lot there. Jarquez Hunter ran through what? Kind of looked like an arm tackle, even though it's not, he was just trying to get to him. Um, and then, uh, Hunter's off to the races. But then Ole Miss answered less than two minutes or two and a half minutes later with a touchdown and they went ahead 14 to seven. Auburn scored early in the second quarter and it was like, wait, it was not on the bingo card for this game to be a track meet. And yet it was 14 14. With 11.44 to play in the second quarter. Yeah, that second touchdown coming off of not a bad decision. So when I say bad interception, the decision was totally fine. Uh, ball was terribly thrown, way behind Franklin. Uh, tipped it up in the air. Auburn, Auburn intercepts it, and a long return uh, led to that touchdown. And there was not another point scored until the final play of the third quarter. Ole Miss fiddle-farted around for most of the third quarter. Just didn't do much of anything. Yeah, yeah, hey, Dad. Give me that little, huh? Yes. They did. Okay. They kind of okay. did that until that last drive of the third quarter, absent defense. At- All right. So so I, I, I made some notes about the game when I was on the plane yesterday coming home. And this was, like, my thoughts in real time with a little bit of time to think about it. Hustling to get a playoff before the end of the third quarter made no sense to me. I was like... And then I have to run another play. Go flip it to the other end. Go try and get a, a touchdown on the first play. And they're going like, wait, is he just walking to the line? Like they're just going to kind of make sure Auburn's prepared. Boom! They run a play, touchdown, and Ole Miss goes up twenty-one fourteen. And that made no sense to me in real time. I'm like, it's a tight game. You better milk these last whatever seconds. Yeah, you might you might need those or need Auburn not to have them later. In real time, I thought that was a strange move. They could have easily let the clock run out and decide what you wanted to do. But doing that would have given Auburn's defense about a four-minute rest on its sideline. Auburn, like 
almost every stadium in the SEC has a light show. And so they would have had a 14-14 game with a goal-to-go play on the first play of the fourth quarter after killing the lights and turning on the strobes and the colors and the crowd is going nuts and you would have not been able to hear yourself think and you would have given the defense a four-minute rest. And so I thought it made sense to go for it there. Hustle to the line. They don't know if you're going to snap it or not. Go block it up and score a touchdown. That's exactly what Ole Miss did. And, and so it made more sense thinking about it after. Did, did you guys see that play at all? And be like, why, why are they hurrying to get a playoff here? I, I didn't think about it like you did. I, I just uh, I figured yeah. you know you've got Auburn kind of on their heels. Just go punch it in, and and kind of exclamation yeah. point that. But that that does make sense. Yeah. Uh, a lot of sense. Uh, game. You want to talk about game management? If that was the thought process, it's really heady. And then Ole Miss scored again with 7.51 to go. Quinshawn Judkins ran it in from four yards out, made it 28-14, and the ball game was over at that point. Auburn at that point, so what, seven minutes ago you said Ole Miss up 28-14? to play, Ole Miss up 28-14. It's a two-score game. There aren't many teams that think or know they're done in a two-score game with eight minutes to play. Oh, oh, they were done. Uh, Richard, we lost you. Um, We lost you. But, yeah, Auburn was done at that point. They had... Um, 160 yards of offense did Auburn in five first downs at that point in the game. 160 yeah. yards in five first downs. So that that was the ball game right there. The stat that 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 drove me crazy, or maybe not drove me crazy, but Auburn had thrown before the final drive of the game. Auburn had thrown six passes. And we're sitting here talking earlier about State and Arkansas and the bad offense, but my goodness, I mean, if Auburn doesn't get the long run from Hunter. Yeah, and that's one of the most putrid offensive performances you ever seen. I can't wait for this weekend. By the way, we we may have a Minnesota Iowa over under situation. I haven't looked. I haven't looked at what it is, but my goodness, don't don't take the over. It's whatever you do, it's probably not good. You so, pay for yeah, pay play, for all your Christmas gifts. Play calling was awful, um, and, yeah. and for whatever reason, I don't know if it was true or not. Uh, but Hugh told the broadcast team that when Thorne is in the game. Montgomery's calling plays. When Ashford is in the game, he's calling plays because that makes oh, sense. That makes sense. And also, they uh, they practiced sense. on Friday for the first time ever. They made sure that they practiced on Friday as well. Very clearly, he he put extra emphasis on this game, and it, it was it was glaringly yeah. uh, obvious in that spot. And then you you got the vintage Hugh Freeze moment. So so you get the ball back from Ole Miss. You're in plus territory. It's second down. And Auburn's got all the momentum, and what do they do? They they put their third-string quarterback at wide receiver, and hey, Dad, you can hear Ole Miss's players on the broadcast yelling that it's double. You can hear them calling it out, and he tries to do a double pass, and it gets uh, gets tackled for like an eight-yard loss, and then they give the ball back to Ole Miss, and that was vintage freeze. But, uh, man, we talked about all week. Ole Miss cannot... Or, or, excuse me, if Ole Miss just plays clean, if they just play clean within themselves, don't mm-hmm. turn it over, don't make mistakes, they'll win this game going away. Ole Miss did the exact opposite of that for three quarters. Yeah. They played first as half, yeah, first half yeah. and into the third quarter as bad as they possibly could have played. You had a bad uh, turnover. You had a botched field goal snap on a chip shot that took three points off the board. You had a 10-yard punt. You had a muffed punt that you recovered, but it cost you 15 yards uh, or so in field position. You, you had 
penalty after penalty after penalty. They played as sloppy as they possibly could have to keep Auburn in that game, and yet turned it on when they had to. A 90-yard touchdown drive followed by a 70-yard touchdown drive. Defense was really good thanks to Hugh Freeze's offense being as bad as it is. And they found a way to win a game that they were struggling in early for the third week in a row. I tell you, this is the one thing watching these highlights that makes me, you, if you, you ever doubt that Kiffin's a good play caller, at least three times a game, Ole Miss will throw to a person that is literally wide open. Yeah. Literally. Like yep. nobody within five yards of him either direction. And that happens every game. When's the last time that happened for State? When's the last time you remember, oh, that guy's wide open? It's been a while. Yeah, been a long while. We'll be right back. We'll get Richard back, and we'll be right back. Talk more uh, Ole Miss and Auburn in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Don't go anywhere. Sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Sounds good. On Super Talk Mississippi. Well, let's try that again. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Thanks for being with us on this Monday afternoon. Sports Talk brought to you in part by Visit Oxford. Find them online at visitoxfordms.com. We'll miss back at home this weekend with a Saturday night game against Vanderbilt. And there is plenty going on in and around Oxford. You can find out about hotel, uh, excuse me, hotels and restaurants and all of the activities in and around Oxford on the Visit Oxford website. That's visitoxfordms.com or on their social media channels, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at visitoxfordms. The first half for Ole Miss, and you guys may have talked about this when my deal cut out a second ago. I, I don't know. I mean, it was a comedy of errors. I know that yeah. Ole Miss led 14-7. to It was tied 14 at the half. So what'd you have? You had drops, you had penalties, you had a muffed punt return or muff punt. You muffed the snap on a field goal. What? Get the snap and put it down so the guy can kick the field goal. And threw a terrible interception. That was all in the first half. Was it seven first half penalties? Seven penalties, yeah. And and. Look, I mean, this is not a referee conversation. I don't know how many of them were legit, how many of them were eh, questionable, ticky-tack, whatever. They called them, though, over and over and over. Stop cheating. Just play. Play without cheating. There's a couple of holdings that were absolutely the appropriate calls at the time. I know that. Okay. And then he got to the third quarter. And Ole Miss, what, his first three drives of the third quarter? They had to punt. And I'm sure, like many of you, I'm part of a couple of group texts. And those group texts were popping. Yeah. You know, they, they were not overly complimentary to Charlie Weiss Jr. for a specific period of time. And what's going on with play calling? And why are they doing what they're doing? And then it was like the offense flipped a switch. After, by the way... A holding on a punt that went in the end zone. I mean, that's the kind you said comedy of errors. That's exactly right. Ole Miss is getting a touchback, and a holding call starts that drive on their own ten instead of the twenty because there was a holding on a punt that went in the end zone. 
But Jackson Dart had been bad, frankly, for, for his standard anyway, up until that drive. And it's a tie game in the third quarter, and you got a first down on your own 10-yard line. A couple of perfect passes to Trey Harris. Boom. Touchdown. Your defense gets you the ball back. You're 70 yards away from the end zone. You scramble drill. You get a first down. Throw a stunning pass down the sideline to Trey Harris again. Boom. Touchdown. So I he mean, had been bad. He was on the road, hostile environment, 90 yards away, all that stuff. And then he just flipped a switch and turned it on and was clutch. Those two drives, just perfect passes, runs, wins the game. What 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 was that? The, the throw to, to um, I guess he was trying to get it to Franklin, that was like two yards behind him, and Franklin reached back behind yeah. him and tips the ball up into the air, and it's intercepted with a, a big interception return. And you're like, what what happened? And, and I say you say, what was that? Because of the two plays that you just mentioned, the throw to Caden Priestcorn and the throw to Trey Harris are two of, like, like you cannot throw the football any better than he did on those two passes. And I thought Priestcorn sold it as well. It's like he was running a route, and it was like he didn't even acknowledge that the ball was on the way. Until he just reached out his hands and grabbed it, and then like the Auburn was like, "Oh, I got to tackle this big oaf," and he just like goes for fifteen more yards. The guy's like trying to figure out a way to wrestle him to the ground, and then the Trey Harris throw, and really both of them were just, I mean, just beautiful. And Ole Miss kind of yeah, Auburn with Ole Miss playing a little softer defense goes down. They they score the touchdown. But did you watch that last drive by Auburn and go? Where's the urgency? If you're down two scores, you have to score twice to even give yourself a chance to get to overtime or win it in regulation. You, you should hurry. Why are you not hurrying? And there were questions to Hugh Freeze, like, hey, you were better in tempo at the end of the game. That's not what tempo used to look like with Hugh Freeze. No, and also Ole Miss was playing. Uh, they were – in it wasn't a prevent, but it was a soft, deep, two deep safeties, no big play behind you, soft coverage on the outside. We're more throw, than happy way, for you to complete. Line. That's the one to Trey Harris. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's that's pretty good. Pretty darn good if you're watching on Super Talk TV. But Ole Miss was more than happy for Auburn to complete four, five, seven-yard passes over and over and over and over. And um Hugh looks what... defeated. And I, I I don't know what to attribute that to. There were I, some other observations as to what he looked like as well. Oh like he looked like crap is what he looked like, honestly. Physically. He looks like he's he's worn out and, and and tired. And I mean, I don't like using this phrase very often. Like old miss people around the two lane game were like, Oh, it's it's two lane Super Bowl and I don't like that phrase very often. A, a team's gonna play hard today? Okay, they should play hard every week. But that game was clearly different to Hugh Freeze. That that was an emotional game for a lot of reasons. He handled it differently and he lost. And he lost and it's not being excused over there either. I mean, I, I, it's it's remarkably stupid, in my opinion, but did you see the, the headline of a column today in, in AL.com? That the honeymoon is over for Hugh Freeze. It was written on October 22nd of his first season. The, 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 these people 
that he works for, you cannot forget what they did to Brian Harson. He didn't win enough games in year one, so they tried to manufacture an extramarital affair to get him fired without paying a buyout after one year. And he can't take this Auburn roster and make it beat a top 15 team, and the honeymoon is over. Just just an absolutely absurd thing to think. So it, It's preposterous that Auburn people think that this team should be better than it is right now. And they're already... Oh, hold on a second, hold on a second, hold on a second. It's not preposterous to think that they should be better than they are right now. It is preposterous to think that they should win eight games. Sure. I, that they should have been good. But to think that this Auburn team... If I'm an Auburn fan, I am angry at what my team looks like. Because they look non-competitive. But you, you went out and hired an offensive guru, and they are horrible. They're horrible. On the offensive side. They are. They are. But if, I mean, how many coaches in the SEC could win? And now it's partially his fault. True. But it's not like he identified Peyton Thorne as his guy. I mean, they tried a lot of guys, and he just couldn't get any of them, which is his fault. But how many teams in the SEC could win with Peyton Thorne? (laughs) I mean, even Georgia couldn't win with that dude. He's awful. I'm sorry to say that about a college kid, but he is awful. And Ashford can't throw the ball, and he didn't make He's great decisions. He's making more money this year than you are, Borky. You can say whatever you want about him. Fact. That is very true. So, I mean, that's a problem, but they had Georgia on the ropes, lost by a touchdown. They had top 15 Ole Miss on the ropes, lost by a touchdown. And they're already, honeymoon's over, he's not going to win here. What? What's up? What's wrong? They think that they're Georgia, and they expect better than Georgia results. Remember Kirby Smart's first year in Athens? Remember how that went? Richard, you were on the sidelines for his game in Oxford. You remember how bad they were? They still won seven games, though. They did? That was a better situation. He took over a better Much situation better than situation. Hugh Freeze took over in Auburn. But anyway. The lack of patience there is it's astounding to me. I mean, you really expected this to not be a team? We spent all summer talking about this roster is not ready to compete. If they go to a bowl game, if they win more than they lose, it's a nice coaching job and they're on schedule. Let me throw some observations that I had from the game at you and, and see if any of these stand out for you. I thought the running game was really good for Ole Miss. They end up with, what, 230 or so yards rushing. And to me, it's people like to focus on one stud running back in Quinshawn Judkins, but it feels like you really need two horses if you're going to have an elite running game, and Ole Miss has got that. I know Ulysses Bentley didn't have, like, a crazy night in terms of yards, but he is important because, one, he's good when he's on the field, and, two, it gives you the ability to keep Quinshawn Judkins fresh in the game. And so having two really good running backs. And look, Ole Miss ran the ball how many times? Let's see, I've got it uh, pulled up right here. Ole Miss ran the ball 39 times. No, that's Auburn. Ole Miss ran it 56 times. Guess what? you got enough carries to go around. 21 carries for Judkins, 17 for Bentley. Jackson Dart carries it 14 times. And oh, by the way, you handed off to Dayton Wade twice. That's great running back. You're not overusing anybody. Trey Harris is a difference maker. Four catches for 102 yards. Kamari Franklin can help Ole Miss in the final five games of the regular season. And, and, and you saw that there was some try. I mean, Jackson Dart went to him more this week. He had four catches. Uh, I'm sorry, he had two catches for 15 yards. And one of them was a touchdown. 
they need to get Jordan Watkins back, but that's pretty gutsy to see him, what, a week, two weeks after having two plates inserted into his hand and still having stitches to be back on the field and playing. Thought the defense tackled well. Pretty good night for the Ole Miss secondary. We'll be back right after this. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Say that again. Please say. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Sorry. Poorly timed joke, completely inappropriate. On Super Talk Mississippi. This here's a jam for all the fellas. Try to do what those ladies tell us. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. We'll start the 5 o'clock hour today for the college football fix with winners and losers. Let's go to the C Spire text line. I just think everyone in the SEC looks average. The only difference is the talent level at Alabama and Georgia. I will give it to Ole Miss. They just keep winning. Uh, Splitting hairs. I think that's an oversimplification, though. Because if everybody was average, then you wouldn't have a six and one team. You wouldn't have LSU being where they are. You, I mean, Missouri's not average. Missouri's not average. LSU's not average. Ole Miss is not average. What What I would say, there's not an elite team. I don't think this isn't like a couple years ago with Georgia and Alabama. I think Georgia's really good. Alabama's good, but there's not there's not a just. Surefire, they are going to win the national championship team in this mix. I agree with that. I do. I do wonder if, when matched up with the elite teams from other conferences, what the result would be. We are about to find out. I mean, we'll, right, we'll find we, out soon enough. We think Michigan. I mean, is, we saw LSU, Florida State. Did. Florida State's really good. Yeah, and and t- to me, it's like okay, what is the team when they are oh, at Texas. their best? When when have, when have we seen that this year? I think we saw Florida State at their best in the season opener against LSU. In the second half, they we might were have really seen Alabama as well this past Saturday. We might have seen Alabama at its best this past Saturday. In the second half. In the second half, yeah. Michigan hadn't been challenged yet. They they will soon, but they haven't been yet. I Georgia was at its best against Kentucky. And I mean, they throttled yes. Kentucky. It was like, yes. hey, remember, remember, yeah, you guys remember us. Yeah. Um, Kyle McCord's not consistent enough to win a championship. He's not with those weapons to. He, they're they're not winning a championship at Ohio State right now. He's got to be a lot better. As good as they are defensively, it doesn't matter. This is a year that if we did, you know, we've talked about in the past, like, well, you know, you'll have the 12 teams, and there's no way a 12 could. They could maybe beat the five, but there's no way they would beat the one. This is a year where a 12 could beat a one. You remember a couple weeks ago when I asked the question, you kind of looked at me like I was crazy, is Southern Cal the fourth best team in the uh, Pac-12? I mean, they may be the the sixth or seventh best team. Yeah. That's that's where my confusion was. Are they even the fourth? Oh, I thought you said no, they're still the second or third best team. 
No, I'm just. I think I'm, I'm just trying to catch up with myself. Oh, okay. Just trying okay. to make myself better. We we are revisionist historying it real quick. Okay. But yes, we are revisionist historying it. People do that too much, like, and I saw it over the weekend as well. Like somebody said, Ole Miss just getting lucky in these games. Well, I mean, okay, if you want to call it that, but their their point differential in the fourth hold on, quarter. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. When when has Ole Miss gotten lucky this year? Exactly. So their their point differential they they double up their opponents in the fourth quarter this season. Double the points in their opponent in the fourth quarter. That's not luck. Turning it on when they have to. But when you look around the rest of college football, Texas should have lost. Oklahoma should have lost to UCF. Plumlee, almost the hero in Norman on Saturday. He played well there for a little while. I mean, if not for fortunate officiating, Washington would have lost to a one-win Arizona State team. And how about a team that actually lost? North Carolina and Drake May lost to a one-win Virginia team, which will be my winner here coming up with what that program's dealt with. So when we watch, when you watch like one team, you get kind of hyper-focused on all of their flaws. Like Ole Miss is a flawed football team. There's no doubt about it. If they start the game against Texas A&M the way they did on Saturday, they're going to get beat. Vanderbilt can't beat them. But, but if you start that way against A&M, you're going to get beat. So they're not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but when you look around the country at all these really good teams and how they have to survive these games sometimes, you can't tell me that, well, Ole Miss is lucky. Well, then Washington's lucky. Oregon's lucky. Yeah. Oklahoma's lucky. Luck, Ohio State's lucky. Luck is part of being a good team. Look, yeah, good teams have a bit of luck. I mean, you, you, you need some breaks. We were talking about Ole Miss, we were talking about Ole Miss on, on the podcast for tomorrow, and Somebody brought this up on a message board, and I hadn't really thought about it, but it's kind of true. Like, yes, Ole Miss was incredible in the game against LSU offensively. But in their other three conference games, 10 points, 27 points, 28 points. They've just been okay. I mean, they weren't good at all against Alabama. I mean, is the LSU game just this massive outlier, or are we going to see this Ole Miss offense explode like that again before the end of the season? Yeah. I did an interview last week, and somebody was asking me about Ole Miss, and I was like, you know, you, you, you find yourself in this, well, how, how good is the team that I follow? And if if your answer is, well, we don't know yet, there comes a question, uh, there comes a point where you go, well, what are you going to know? Right? So, so if you don't know yet how good Ole Miss is, when, when are you going to know? When they beat a bad Auburn team on the road? When they win at home against a bad Vanderbilt team when they beat Texas A&M at home? Well, yeah, that's the one. Right up until the point where people start detracting from A&M and the fact that they're in a tailspin and it's Jimbo and it's all these things. I've heard people that are trying to – it's like LSU gets more credit for losing that game to Ole Miss than Ole Miss gets for winning it. Like, What are we doing here? Like, What's the point in playing the games if the winner doesn't kind of – and that makes sense. And LSU's lost twice. Now, if Ole Miss were to win at Georgia, then everybody's on the bandwagon. But that's the number one team in the country on the road. So, so if Ole Miss beats Vanderbilt and beats A&M and loses to Georgia, Georgia and beats USL, ULM and wins in Starkville and finishes the regular season 10-2 and two and goes to a, an access bowl, do we know you? Is that really a good team? I mean, at some point, the scoreboard matters, right? The, you, yeah. you either we, won or you we lost. We had the same discussion about Ole Miss last year. We really did. It's like we did every week. Yeah. It was like, but are they good? And 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 by the end of the season, they they were just okay. 
But, but, so, but having watched having watched that team last year and watching this team this year, it's do you different. See the same thing? This team is better. This team is better, and they've beaten two of the teams that beat them last year. They beat LSU and they beat Arkansas. Now I think they'll lose to Georgia, and I think they're going to beat Texas A and M. But A and M is a team that could come to Oxford and find a way to win. I think they'll win the Egg Bowl as we sit here today too. So we'll have to just sort of wait and see. But if you ask, if somebody came to me like, "Is Ole Miss a good team?" Yes, Ole Miss is a good football team. They got to find a way to get out of their own way. I mean, you mentioned the LSU game. Is that an anomaly or not? Because when they don't make mistakes, you see what they're capable of. When they're not getting themselves off schedule with a holding penalty to start a drive or whatever, you, you, you see what they're capable of. And so, when is that going to happen? That's something that. You know, like we said at the very beginning of the show, you, you take a win in the SEC West where you can get that win. You, you, you take that win. 100 times out of 100 on the road. I mean, you're, you're happy with that result. But, man, what is it that is causing them to not be sharp from quarter one to quarter four instead of having to turn it on when it counts, which is a mark of a, a team with good leadership and good quarterback play and all that? That's all true, but... I. If, if I'm an Ole Miss fan sitting here today, I am worried about that Texas A&M game, though. Because they have a defensive front that can be disruptive, and if you shoot yourself in the foot like they did this past Saturday, that's a game that you lose in this, this special season that's setting up for you. You'll be favored in every game but one for the rest of the way. And it's Georgia. Yeah. If it goes to Chuck, you're going back to an access bowl. I, I want to run a couple of these other notes by you that I that I made. Auburn is really, really bad offensively, but they've got some dudes on the defensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. Hugh Freeze doesn't learn from his mistakes. I hope that's not the case in all of his mistakes. Do you guys remember that stupid reverse pass in his second year in Oxford in Tuscaloosa where he decided that the best use of Laquan Treadwell was as quarterback? Ball was intercepted, if I remember correctly. I wrote down in my note, still doesn't work, you moron. (laughs) And oh, by the way, the guy that made the play that blew up the pass where they put Holton Gurner into, like, oh, this guy, this is going to fool everybody, was the guy that played for him at Liberty. (laughs) It's like, oh, no, I know what this is. Boom, blew it up. Did you hear? Could you? Uh, I don't know what your watching situation was. Did you have audio, Richard? Uh, no, I was actually calling a game while I was watching. You could hear the Ole Miss players them. calling that out. Hmm. You you could hear them through the television calling what was about to happen out, and they ran it anyway. They were not fooled at all. They must have. I mean, the, the, those guys knew you're going to see that double pass garbage here soon. And the second a non wide receiver entered the game, they were all like, hey, "You could hear it." They were calling it out, and they ran it anyway. I wrote this. Auburn fans are going to eat him alive. He's being patient with all the questions about swapping quarterbacks, historically bad offense, et cetera, et cetera. But is he going to be patient with that through five more weeks of the season? Or is he going to snap at some point? Is he going to get sick of it and snap? Lose state, state and you'll snap. at Vandy, at Arkansas, New Mexico State, Alabama. I mean, somebody sent us a message that said, "Hey, with Auburn's remaining schedule, they could still go seven and five. They they could, they could. But if they're gonna get to seven, they better start winning." <laughs> we'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. 
Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. How do you like that? I love it. On Super Talk Mississippi. the SEC baseball account on Twitter and you guys saw last week the AI generated football stadium images where like they increased everybody's football stadium capacity to a million or, or something like that. Yeah. They've now done that with all the baseball stadiums. It's it's, it's pretty good. Hey dad, they, they said the entire lounge is now surrounded by lofts and people live there full time. It's it, yeah. it kind of an old Texas Rangers stadium look to it. Um, for Ole Miss, as they said, uh, they've introduced automated beer showers at Bianco Ballpark. <laughs> they have showers over the entire stadium. Oh, goodness. Um, Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Super Talk TV. Glad to, uh, glad to be with you this afternoon. We're going to get to winners and losers to start the, uh, the five o'clock hour. That will be the college football fix today. And we'll try and take a quick peek at the other stuff that happened in the uh, in the SEC. Speaking of a peek, peeking ahead to this next week, Mississippi State is on the road, taking on the Auburn Tigers. Uh, you got Ole Miss at home. They have got Vanderbilt at home on Saturday night. South Carolina is at Texas A and M. Boy, A and M better win that game. <laughs> yeah. Georgia, Florida. I don't know. What is it? How big is it? 13 and a half. It's up to 14. It's moved already. Yes. Um, a and is A&M good enough to be a 14 point over anybody right now? That's what I'm wondering. I'm, I don't know if that's going to pass the smell test, if you know what I'm saying. I know what you're saying. Georgia, 14 and a half over... Oh, I'm sorry. I'm messing things up. We do lines on Tuesdays. That's all right. You won't be here anyway. That's right. We'll do it. Let's just get it out of the way. Y'all can figure out something else to do. <laughs> Auburn is a six-and-a-half-point uh, favorite over State. What an opportunity for Mississippi State, though, right? I, I mean, like we said before, Hugh, Hugh With Free- a win, State is 5-3. and three. Yeah. I, I mean, you, you've got an Auburn team that, that has a head coach that very clearly is emotionally distraught and the way that game, you you could see it in the post game handshake, man. He didn't even make eye. Did you notice? He didn't look at Lane. Didn't look at him. It, it's it's what, what's that all about? Sore loser. I, I think it's punk. I, I don't know if it's sore loser. I think he's I think he's emotionally drained. I, I, I just it, it looks like that place has already sucked the life out of him. He, he looks lifeless. Nah, never mind. But so, so you have this, the, the coach's Super Bowl, right? Team is reeling. They, they, they do everything they can. They lose the game. And, and in comes Mississippi State where, I, I don't know, it's such a big opportunity for State for so many reasons. This is absolutely a winnable football game. I know that's not an easy place to play, but you're not going to get the same atmosphere you had this past Saturday night. 
Nah, that's supposed to be a day game. And, and whatever he's doing with the quarterback shuffling. Oh, no, it's it, a 2.30 kick. That's a big time slot, hey, man. It can be. Buried Sometimes. In, it's been plain, on the network. In plain sight. Hidden in game. plain sight. But that's a, State's got a one of those next week, too. Speaking of big lines, Ole Miss is a 25-and-a-half point favorite over Vanderbilt. I don't know about that one. That's a lot of points. Especially That's when a lot of points. Kiffin, for whatever reason, has not played. I mean, he's beaten Vanderbilt, but they, they don't play that's well. The, that's the one great passing game that Jackson Dart has had. He threw for over 400 yards against Fandy last yeah. year. And they, Give him two. Give him LSU I mean, they put 52 year. on the board, but they wouldn't have covered 25 and a half. With A&M the week after coming off of this emotional that's, game. I mean, I... That's, that's that's another one. That's another one. Hey, is um could be a slog. So we talked about it at the beginning of last week, and I made the look almost just approach this like any other SEC game, and I thought they did. I mean, I I didn't think that Ole Miss invested any more emotional capital in that game other than what is required of you when you play in an SEC game. I don't think that you can say that for Hugh Freeze. Absolutely not. But you knew that going in. You just didn't want Ole Miss to fall into the trap of that. Ole Miss got to do that again in two weeks, though. And 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 I don't think I don't think Lane Kiffin's having fun with Jimbo is the same as what he does during Alabama week. I think he just gets his jollies from just gigging Jimbo. Like there's certain people that you know you can get to them if you just press a certain button. And I think he just gets a kick out of pressing that button when it's Jimbo. You just don't want that to go too far because it focused on game and whatever else. But, uh, yeah, doesn't it feel like that Vandy game could go a couple of ways? Like, you could look up and be like, this thing is way closer than it ought to be, and then Ole Miss ends up winning comfortably, but not 25 and a half. Or you look up halfway through the third quarter and you're like, are they scoring 70 today? I just, I just don't know which it's going to be. And here's the thing. I don't think Vandy knows what they're doing at quarterback. AJ Swan's been banged up, but they can't decide if they like Swan or Seals better at this point. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. Hey, guys. What the heck are you doing? Sports Talk Mississippi on your radio and in the game. Sports Talk Mississippi. What month is it? Just throwing you guys a bone since you like to talk baseball during football season. Figured I'd... Hey, I, I, mean, I didn't say... I've never said that. It's a good song. Sure it is. It is. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us on this Monday afternoon, the 23rd of October. Sports Talk coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort is the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Visit them online at dancingrabbitgolf.com to book your tee time or plan your trip. Fall golf is the best golf, so check it out today, dancingrabbitgolf.com. You can join us on the Ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Whether you're looking for the best in wireless or the best in home office 
or home solutions or the best in uh, business IT solutions, Seaspire has you covered. Check them out at cspire.com to learn more. Seaspire customer inspired. Thanks as always for uh, for being with us. We are kind of rearranging things a little bit, so I guess we hold the music because we got winners and losers coming up. But I'll tell you first, it's College Football Fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. You can test drive one today at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. That's buyfordnow.com. So normally we would have a story, but uh, we're busy on Monday. So let's roll two things into one. It's time right now for winners and losers. We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. What did you like from the weekend? What did you not like from the weekend? That's how we determine winners and losers. Brian, hey, Dad, you are up first. Give me a winner. We kind of talked about him a little bit ago, but I thought Alabama showed that they're still the top dog in in the SEC West. You know, the first half against Tennessee was not, very impressive, but they absolutely mauled them in the second half and look like the Alabama team that we're used to seeing. You know, listening to Saban post game and some of his comments, I get the feeling he's really enjoying coaching this team because they are not just the killing machine they've been in the years past, and he's actually having to like coach them and extract as much from them as he can, and he's getting it right now, and I think he's enjoying that. So, which is. Kind of dangerous when we think about Nick Saban having a good time. So they are a real threat to to win the playoff or win to uh, win the NCC championship game and go to the playoff, and then they'll be a real threat there as well. So the, as always with Alabama, the obituary was written a lot too quickly. I think threat to get there. Are they a threat to win once they get there? Is the team good enough overall? The SEC champion is good enough again. Who, who against who? Michigan is flawed, assuming the Big Ten doesn't keep them out of the postseason. Uh, Ohio State is flawed. I mean, a rematch with Texas or, or a game against Oklahoma, they can beat those teams. Okay. Borky, give me a winner. Virginia. Uh, I mean, especially with how last season ended for them. That, that's a gross oversimplification. It ended in tragedy. I mean, three of their players were killed in a semi-random act of violence from a former football player when he boarded a bus bringing students back from a field trip. And uh, you could clearly tell during their first home game this year that that is a program that is still having a hard time overcoming that, uh, understandably so. Uh, just uh, a senseless tragedy, and they, they've had a really bad year. I mean, they were 1-5 and five on the road, undefeated North Carolina, Drake May, and they win. Uh, I mean, just an inexplicable loss for North Carolina, but what a really awesome moment for Virginia dealing with what they've dealt with, struggling on the field itself, having something to be happy about. You know, I imagine that bus ride and plane ride home were uh, were pretty sweet for uh, for that team after what they've been through. My first winner is Gray Kessinger. 
You remember Gray Kessinger as a, a shortstop at Ole Miss, got to the minor leagues, had done okay in the minor leagues. But if you look at his numbers in the minors, he wasn't just like, he wasn't raking. He was not hitting at a high level. But he proved to the organization that he could do a lot of things well. That he could play third, that he could play short, that he could play second, that he could play first, that they could stick him in the outfield if they needed to. And there's a huge amount of value on that. And the Astros used him in that capacity. They brought him up when they had some injuries. But then he stayed because he had the ability as one player to give four different players, or really more than that, a day off whenever they need it. And Gray played in about 30 games in the regular season, and he hit 200, and he had a home run in there. But then playoff time comes around. And you can't help but wonder, okay, is there going to be an opportunity for him somewhere along the way? It's not like they're going to start him at short in a, in a playoff game. It's not like they're going to replace Altuve with him on the infield. But they brought him in as a pinch runner against Texas on Friday night in the top of the ninth inning. And Altuve hits the three-run home run. And as he comes around the bases, you see Gray Kessinger, who's just stepped on first base, turned around, he's got both hands up, ready to give him a two-handed high five when he crosses home plate. That moment in and of itself is cool enough, even though Gray didn't really do anything. Right, he's standing there on first because he's got better speed, and he just comes, he trots around and scores. And then he goes in defensively at shortstop, and the Rangers get first and second with nobody out, and they hit an absolute rocket up the middle, and he leaps up and makes the catch. It was a run-saving, game-tying catch in an American League Championship Series game, and it was a huge play. And for a kid who grew up playing baseball, and his dream was always to be in the big leagues. He just made a game-saving play in a playoff game trying to get his team to the World Series. And then the Rangers won last night, so you got Game 7 in Houston coming up tonight. So great Kessinger, not only did he get called up this year, once he got called up, he stayed for the entire season, made the playoff roster, and has now made a play in a really big moment in a playoff game. That's cool. Winner stuff there. Borky Snake Graph, back to you. No? Well, I guess I'd have to do two if we were in state draft, wouldn't I? Yes. Yeah. Well, let's just go with the rotation. Hey, Dad, back to you. <laughs> Never mind. That's what I was confused. Like, snake drafted it. Hmm. How many fantasy leagues are you in, that, buddy? Is that what you want from me? Ah, uh, another time. winner. Let's stay, let's stay in the SEC. Missouri's good. Yeah. That's a good football yeah, team. That's a good call. They're 7-1. and one. They're probably going to win 9. I mean, they could win 10. I don't know. I'm interested to see their games with Georgia and Tennessee now. I mean, those are real live games that make a difference. And it's good to have a third team over there in the East. You know, we, it's been Georgia and Tennessee this past year, but the, the past couple of seasons, it's always been like Georgia and there's another team that's kind of good and then the rest are crap. This year we got three pretty good teams and then there's Florida, who I have no idea what to make of. So they're fun to watch. And Drinkwitz is a big dork, but. He's their big dork, so yeah, let's go with Missouri. He deserves it. You see, Shane Beamer uh, has a new complaint this week. So it's not the volleyball team being honored for too long. Uh, it's not them no, calling Borky, perfect this is plays. winners. Save that for your loser. This is winners. All positive right here. Shane Beamer's a loser. He complains about everything. Uh, how about Air Force? How cool would it be to have a service academy and an access bowl? 
And it would probably go in a way that we know it would go. But still, Air Force is in the driver's seat to make an access bowl. They're undefeated. Their quarterback got hurt, won a game against Navy anyway. You know that's a big game. I don't know if they're going to go undefeated. But, man, they got five more games on the schedule. If they win those games, they will play in an access bowl. And for some reason, I just, the, the, prop, the prospect of a service academy playing uh, Oregon or whatever in the Cotton Bowl sounds incredible to me. I would love to see that, and I'd be their biggest fan that day, and I hope Air Force can pull it off. Pass the first test without their starter for a few weeks. Hope they keep that up. That was really cool to see. My last winner is uh, is Jackson Dart. And Jackson Dart is not a guy that's lighting up the stat sheet where he's throwing for 350 a game. But he is playing winning football. He's completing almost 64% of his passes. He's thrown for 1,840 yards, so he's on pace to be right at 3,000 yards. He's got 13 touchdowns and just three interceptions. That was an area where he had to get better from a year ago, and and he has. Last year he had 20 touchdowns with 11 interceptions. This year it's 13-3. and three. So he's on pace for, what, about 23 touchdowns and five interceptions on we the year? Our house. It's on a great block. Stuff all the way around. Sorry. Autoplay ad on Auto ESPN's play. website. Yep, yep, yep. That's that's exactly what it was. Can you just work? Can you just pay attention to what you're doing? I know you always like to get on me for it. Just work for a minute. Wait, you mean instead the page of looking that I at ads or what? Had Jackson Dart stats on it so that I could read those off. To you should just know them. Just know them in your head. Ah, no. zip it. Oh, okay. You know, if I remembered all Miss stats in my head the way you did, I could do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you don't. They live rent-free in your mind. We'll be right back. We'll oh, there he is, dropping a rent-free. Speaking of losers. Okay, little brother. I can't believe what I'm hearing. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Yeah, you know, Michael Corleone was Fredo's little brother. I feel a similar relationship with you. You're just sitting over there like, I'm smart! It doesn't have the and same... You do live uh, right it, it doesn't have yeah. the, uh, the same the same oomph when it's not going to the brain and you don't have time to respond. Yeah. That's it's true, it's true. It's perfect time. It's like, and we're yeah. out of time and he can't say anything. Just no, it it says, we got to go. We're just, out. Just yeah. let it hang. Uh, yeah. l- losers. Losers. I-, I got one. Go ahead. Should- okay, should we just like do a community Michigan State loser? Like take that off the board for everybody? Nobody's allowed to use that? Goodness gracious, man. Yes. And let's not bring up why again, please. What? Never again on the show. Never again. Is a good theme for him. I'm confused as to like we he, we can rip he, on what they did. Yeah, but but Haydad thinks using that name in any context name is, has reached the great. point where it is. Well, bad. I disagree. It is almost viewed. Oh, well, I kind of do too, but that's okay. We could talk about it negatively. It's okay. They they did a fun yeah, fact. You never on their know video though. Board. You never know what somebody's going to text us at that point. Like, oh, hey, you well, know, it's right, kind of a gray. Dabo, go ahead. Did you know what Dabo said after the game? Stole it. 
He was asking. Now, if you got to team... leave Clemson losing for Borky. That's his fetish. He, you let him have it. Asked if the team will consider using a sports psychologist amid its struggles and the same mistakes repeating themselves over and over. He said, we've got one. He's probably on suicide watch right now. This was a great weekend for coaches giving us unbelievable quotes. The room laughed, too, by the way. That's painful. It's probably, it was was probably it, did they laugh or was it like... Laugh. Probably that. Yeah, the, the, Clemson's done. They're done. The, Dabo's not Nick Saban. The Clemson football program is yeah, done. As we know it, or as we've known it, it's dead, done, finished, fiend, whatever other... Uh, what's French for the end? All of it. Give me every language. Clemson is done. Dabo's done. I, I love how in the same week he you know says... what the French call... Les incompetents. Yeah. <laughs> They're done. Second home alone reference of the day. Nailed it. And and he's on year two of a 10-year, $115 million contract. They can't send him anywhere. There's this, this wishful thinking that he's going to want to take the Texas A&M job. Uh, buddy, Texas A&M's not going to want to hire him. Oh, a guy that okay. uh, says... What a perfect we don't... fit, though. Oh, it would be just... Uh, it fits like a glove. But he doesn't embrace NIL. The cult and the cult leader. Yeah, that's Do- true. Doesn't embrace NIL, doesn't embrace the portal. Maybe he'll change. Maybe we'll figure it out. But it's too late now. Doesn't embrace either one of those things. Spends his week telling fans that, you know what? I'm glad we lost so you guys can get off our bandwagon. And then he turns around and loses to Miami. Uh, just... He just wanted to make a little more room on the bandwagon. Yeah, just a little hey, bit yeah. more. Bor- Borky couldn't let it go. He yeah. he could not let Clemson and Dabo being my loser. He needed to he needed to tag on to that. He had one. to get his own in there. Yeah, uh, he had that just, planned out. He's, he's reading off notes. I can see it's over. So, They're done. Yeah. Dead. Hey, Dad. Stick a fork in them. Right. Done. Hey, Dad, may I have a loser? Uh yeah, you can have Caleb Williams and USC. Ooh, you can cool. have them because, first off, I, what a good football game. Really good football game. Utah, as always, tough as nails. They're like, they're like a zombie, man. You gotta, you gotta kill the head with, with Utah. You, you gotta, you gotta put two in the head to get them down. But, Caleb Williams, game ends. What does he do? Just sits on the bench, pouts. And then afterwards, oh, we're not gonna bring any players to media. A week after they had the USC had put out a statement saying, "Hey, take advantage of your media opportunities here at USC. You, you should do that." This is also in the same week where the, the story breaks, and it's, maybe it's a rumor. I don't know that Caleb Williams wants an ownership share for the team that drafts him. I w- if the Saints draft this guy, I'm tapping out. I'm out on the Saints. I would never want to cheer for this guy. Clip it, this is, I need to know. I, I need that. I'm, I'm okay. I'm done. I'm not worried about it because the Saints are going to pick high enough. I don't think. But I mean, this guy is the most entitled, whiny guy. And then I saw a tweet today that some people are just fishing for clicks, and I, I was proud of myself not to dive into the muck that referred to Caleb Williams as possibly the greatest college quarterback of all time. I'm just like, he's not even the best USC quarterback of all time. He's not even. Like, what is this discussion? So, yeah. Lincoln Riley and Oklahoma fans have got to be like doing that dance that Richard did earlier. They've got to be so happy right now. There it is. Yeah. I want to see Richard at a wedding doing that. Just 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 with that little white man overbite that. Mm. 
Like that, yeah. There it is, yeah. That's what I'm talking about, yeah. Give me that. My dance moves do not exist. I think they don't. They are non-existent. Um, yeah. Do you have an original loser board here, or do you just want me to do another one and you can tag onto it? I was second half <laughs> drives. I'm not ashamed of tagging <laughs> on to Clemson being a loser and Dabo being a loser. What I will never. I'm never going to stop. Sad Richard's missing. Shout out William Montgomery. I ain't never going to stop talking about Dabo being a loser. Uh, I was second half drives. Uh, Brian Ferentz, uh see ya. Three plays, zero yards, punt. Two plays, minus six yards, fumble. Three plays, three yards, punt. Three plays, three yards, punt. Nope, I didn't repeat the same drive. Those are two consecutive drives. Three plays, negative 18 yards, punt. Three plays, somehow 27 yards, punt. Three plays, negative seven yards, interception. They lose the game by two. Yeah. But also losers, the the officials... The officials on that call, I don't care what the right call is. That's a bad rule. That's he's clearly just saying, get away, get away. That's, come on. I don't think that's, that's the right call. Catch. I think they, they, they blew it. There's well, no way that you can well, blow that it, play dead. Yeah, I just I, I agree. I agree. I'm sorry. My mind Iowa has to average. Uh, and I said something that made absolutely no sense on the heels of what you were talking about. I was still thinking about Caleb Williams and Southern Cal and Utah's comeback yeah. and all of that. So, yes, I am completely yeah. with you on – the Iowa thing, they, uh, they have to average thirty to get to three twenty-five, and there are four remaining games plus the bowl. They have to average thirty-five a game. I got we got you got a better chance of literally anything happening than that. By the way, Borky, my argument for keeping Brian Ferentz is now gone. It has gone out the window. Yeah, that that, that entire all that entire argument was. Based on them going eleven and one and getting to the conference championship game and getting to an access bowl, which if they were just bad on offense, they would go. Not even bad. <laughs> if they were just bad at it, not even just bad. bad. They have um, the twenty five points per game they're supposed to average. They would be. Uh, I looked it up. Eighty sixth nationally. If they were eighty sixth nationally, nobody would be complaining. Uh, Brandon gives Goodness. us a winner. He says the quarterback for Utah, Barnes, I think is his name. That dude was clutch at crunch time. How about the willingness yeah. to tuck it and run in that situation, knowing that he had to get the first down, had to get down, had to get them in field goal position. He did all of those things, made a great play, and uh, Utah kicked it for the win. So an interesting dynamic fun game might might be happening here, by the way, because they shut down Cam Rising for the year. He's got another year of eligibility. Um, does somebody in the SEC in need of a quarterback try to get him to come play for them next year? And for yes. how much? And a lot. Is he the best quarterback in the a Big lot. 12 next year? I mean, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. That's a tough question. Because... You're having to think of the composition of the Big 12 for next year? I, well, not only that, I'm just thinking, like, you know, does McCord get better? Who, who transfers into the uh, – you never know these days. So, Also, loser me, after the USC game, I was like, all right, McCord. I'm going to bed. Surely this At Ohio State? Yeah. Utah's going to be in the Big 12, not the Big 10. Oh, Big 12, Big 12, Big 12. Yeah. Big 12. My bad. But still, I don't know. 
Yeah, it, I mean, it can be excused. I mean, it's going to take some yeah. time during anyway, the offseason for us to get a handle yeah. on who is where. I went, I went to bed after USC, uh, Utah thinking, okay, good day of college football. That Washington Arizona State game will be a blowout. I can miss that. Should have stayed up. The lesson is don't miss college football games. Precisely. Brent- Brandon also had loser um, the Memphis Grizzlies. The news that Stephen Adams is out for the year completely changes the makeup Tough. of the team. Uh, tough one over the weekend for Delta State. Ben says they dropped the game 24-21 to West Florida. They're off this week. Got two games left and then hopefully the playoffs. Um, Chris oh, from we gotta Greenville. Bring this up, Pierre. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead. Gib from Greenwood talking about the, the Utah. Whenever USC would sub, Utah would sub their biggest, fattest defensive lineman and have him jog out there as long as he could. And not the, the, the guy who's replacing would not jog off until he was on the field, and they were wasting time that way. Brilliant coaching. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. Um, Sports Talk Mississippi. Those are your winners and losers. Let's take a peek at what else happened in the SEC and talk a little bit more about Ole Miss and Mississippi State and their wins over the weekend. This is Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Can you feel it? Can you hear it? Sports Talk Mississippi. Yeah! On Super Talk Mississippi. Question on the ceasefire text line. Nice compliment for the game that I was on on Saturday night. But that's not the reason I bring this up. I had uh, UTSA and FAU, and uh, our friend on the text line said, "After seeing that game, Richard, do you think Jeff Trailer will be a Power Five head coach next season? What about Tom Herman?" Uh, UTSA ended up dominating that game. They were really good on the on the line of scrimmage on the defensive side. Um. Yes, I think Tom Herman absolutely will want the opportunity to get back to the Power 5 level. I don't think there's any question. I see your big eyes there, hey, Deb. Hmm? Me? Uh, and, and I don't know how picky he'll be. Maybe he'll be really picky. Maybe he will wait for the right opportunity. He probably knows that he should be able to win games at FAU. It's a really nice stadium. Now, nobody goes to their games. Nobody goes to their games. But that's a really nice stadium. The trailer question is far more interesting to me, though, than the Herman question. Um, I didn't ask him that specifically, but I did ask him about why that job was special. And, and I just kind of couched it from the standpoint of, like, look, you, you win big at a place like UTSA, where you are right now, the opportunities are going to come your way. What is it that makes this job special that has caused you to stay? Because I'm assuming you have had opportunities. 
And he talked a lot about, one of the things he said was like, he said, they're paying me $3 million a year. He's like, how much more money do I need? He's like, I thought I was making a lot of money when they were paying me 150000 to coach high school football in Texas. He said, we've been given everything that we've asked for. We've got great leadership. I think we can win big here. They get really good support at the uh, at the Dome, the Alamo Dome. I think I'm going to get to go to a game there in a couple of weeks. I, I think I'm going to have a game with them in San Antonio a couple of weeks. I'll be interested to see their setup. It's a cool city, too, if you've never been. Yeah, it is really cool. And Alamo Dome right there on the Riverwalk, it's, it's a great setup. The fact of the matter is he turned down two Power 5 jobs or has already turned down two Power 5 jobs. Do you know what to, or did he just... I, yes, I do, but I I don't feel comfortable saying that. Understood. Um, that, that part of it was kind of in confidence. One of them was in the state in which he currently lives, and one of them was not, but was in one of the two conferences that make the most money. Um, so he's not just going to leave for another job. Just like... Uh, like whatever you classify as a middle-of-the-road SEC job or Big 12 job or Big 10 job, he's not just leaving for that. Would but you, if he can... Hmm? Would you call Arkansas a middle-of-the-road SEC job? Yeah. I would, too. And Absolutely. that might be... I mean... Are we doing it based on support and facilities and infrastructure, or are we doing it based on on-the-field results? Because if we're doing it on based on on-the-field results, then they're a bottom-of-the-league SEC job. Sorry, Razorback fans. Yeah. Arkansas fancies itself so much better than Ole Miss and Mississippi State. They just do. But they aren't. Nope. And it is State, fake. Win. It is fake bravado. States states win on Saturday is their ninth of the in the last twelve against Alabama, against Arkansas. I wish wow. it was Alabama. It's Arkansas though. Yeah. Wow. I, and I, I mean, don't, and the, and the I don't losses, think Jeff Trailer would be a terrible fit for Arkansas, but I don't know if that's the yeah. job that he would leave UTSA for. That's why I asked about Arkansas because it's some. I was talking to somebody about this last night. Just you know, the jobs that are going to come open. You, you can always hire. There's there's a chance you hire a great coach in every cycle, but the slam dunk candidates out there, there's not many, and the the slam dunk jobs out there, where what are they going to be? It's very clear you've got to take a risk at this point to take a job like Arkansas now. If you have, if you're currently at a place that's. Lance Leopold, for example. I assume Arkansas is going to have him very high on their list. But if you're him, Arkansas is a better job than Kansas. I don't think a single person would argue against that. But, man, Kansas supports him now. He's getting a lot of money. They're going to tear down and rebuild the entire stadium. They're winning. Mm -hmm. And so do you make that small jump or do you win for another year and make the big jump? I don't know. This this coaching carousel cycle is going to be really interesting because, would you say, Trailer's making $3 million a year? Mm-hmm. That is the identical salary 
to Mississippi State's head coach. Now, there's a caveat there. It's a first-year head coach that was a defensive coordinator that had no leverage, right. and Mississippi State didn't have to pay more. They were paying Mike Leach $5 million, a little over $5 mm-hmm. million. So Jamie Chadwell's name is, is becoming popular now among people because he, he won a lot at Coastal. He goes to Liberty. He's winning right away. Which, by the way, shout-out uh, to, to Hugh Freeze. Are they better now that he's gone? Anyway, um, he's making over $5 million there. Yeah, a couple of people have thrown Gus Malzahn's name out about Arkansas. Um, Like, I don't know if that ship has sailed or not. There's still a lot of big-time pro-Gus guys in Arkansas, but there are a lot of people that were pretty turned off by some of his stuff in the past as it pertains to that football team. And is, I mean, is that a super big upgrade? I don't know. I mean, they're... Winning ish at UCF. I mean, UCF with Gus in the American Conference, he had a chance to really get that rolling. Big 12? Eh, we'll see. Um, see, so yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. The, the thing with Jeff Trailer is really interesting because he is, I get the impression that he is genuinely not just content, but happy where he is, and he believes that they can keep it rolling. He is losing his seventh-year quarterback, though, after this season. And so there will be a, a little bit of a transition at that position. So, I don't know. That uh, that certainly will be a name to watch, and his name will be one that is uh, is pretty prominent in coaching searches when we, uh, when we roll through that. What do you guys make of the Alabama-Tennessee game? Um, like I said, you know, in the first half, I was just like, wow, this Alabama's not playing well and Tennessee is taking advantage of that. And then in the second half, it was, it looked like Alabama of old. You know, it looked like, you know, what you expect to see when you say Alabama football. Dominant, dominant defense, uh, and big plays on offense. Complete control. And didn't Tennessee miss some opportunities in the first half? So they scored on their first three possessions, but it was touchdown, field goal, field goal. Uh, it was a 24-yard field goal and a 26-yard field goal. So they were in the red zone both of those times. And out of three trips into the red zone, came away with 13 points on their first three possessions. Certainly could have been 17 points. Could have, maybe should have been 21 points. Yeah, and the, the whole complexion of the game is different. Uh, I really like Heupel, though. I mean, it just the, the plan stopped working. Alabama made some adjustments, but... His offense is so well coached. Milton's got consistency issues, and in the first couple of drives, it was short passes underneath stuff, just kind of let him settle in. And, and you could tell, I think it was, so his 10th pass was incomplete because it was a clear drop. And then the 11th one, if I remember correctly, was just a beautifully thrown ball. I mean, just perfect over the top. But that was set up by underneath, 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 pitch and catch, pitch and catch, boom, hit him over the top, and you could see Milton's confidence building in there. I, lo- I like Josh Heupel a lot in the way he runs his offense, but then Joe Milton, I-, I assume Alabama adjusted as well. I'm not smart enough to know exactly what they did to-, to change things, but Milton stopped being that and started missing easy throws and making some poor decisions, and then Alabama pounced and took the game over and dominated in the second half. South Carolina-Missouri. I mean, Missouri just blitzed South Carolina out of the 
out of the gate. They go touchdown, 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 field goal. And led hmm. the game 24 to nothing. And then it turned into a field goal fest. So it was that Missouri field goal late in the second quarter. South Carolina got one before the break. And then South Carolina field goal, South Carolina field goal, Missouri field goal, South Carolina field goal, and then Missouri finally finished it off with a touchdown. Neither team could finish off drives from like the middle of the second quarter until the, you know, late in the fourth quarter. But South Carolina was never in that game. And Schrader had a really nice game again. He's he's a really good running back. He had 159 yards and two touchdowns, averaged six yards a carry. Spencer Rattler was 23 of 40 for 217 yards with no touchdowns and an interception. That's a stat line that looks more like last season than the early part of this season. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, if you're market in the, uh, let me try that one more time. Hey, if you're in the market for a new truck, especially a Ford F-150 or a Toyota Tundra, then Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota is the place for you. I should say Tacoma as well. A bunch of those on the lot right now at Oxford Toyota. They're located at Highway 6 West. Maybe you're coming into town this weekend for the Ole Miss Vanderbilt game and you're thinking about uh, looking for a new vehicle, not related to coming to the game, but while you're in town, just check them out. They're right there, easy to get to on Highway 6 as you're coming into Oxford from the uh, from the west, from the Batesville side of Oxford. Just pull through the lot and see if there's anything that grabs your attention. Great staff there. Uh, sales staff that, that uh, understands that not everybody that pulls onto a car lot is looking to buy a car or a truck or an SUV. They're not trying to shove it down your throat, but they will help you. They'll take care of you. They will, uh, they'll treat you like family. It's a family dealership, and that's what they've been doing for a really, really long time. You can check out their website to see the inventory at belkford.net or visit oxfordtoyota.com. And uh, you've got service after the sale as well with an outstanding service department that will get you in and out as quickly as they possibly can while being sure that they take care of the issue that you've got going on with your vehicle. Tell them when you go by that uh, you heard about them on Sports Talk Mississippi. That's Belkford and Oxford Toyota on Highway 6 West in Oxford. So we um, we have someone on the text line who is asking us about Lane Kiffin and tweeting with Austin Keys after the game, and there certainly was a uh, was a back and forth. And I guess the question is fair or foul. Borky, big fan of the uh, the fair or foul. So you had Austin Keys after transferring from Ole Miss to Auburn back in what January or something like that, tweeting the grass is greener. And a lot of Ole Miss people had that, you know, responded after the fact. So Austin Keys tweets on January twenty first, the grass way greener. And then I guess Lane Kiffin retweeted it and responded with a picture of Juice Kiffin, or Juice Kiffin retweeted it with a picture of grass, or just back and forth. Apparently, Austin Keys thought it was kind of funny because he responded with, to the Juice Kiffin tweet, delete this, please, please, with, like, cash showing there. Like, I'll pay you to delete it. 
And Lane responded, juice is not for sale or something like that. Good luck to you the rest of the way. This felt like a pretty innocent back and forth. Is there any issue here? No. Especially since the, the, the Auburn player, former Ole Miss player, seemed to take it in stride. And look, outside of the face mask, Austin Keys played pretty well for Auburn the other night. I mean, it was a very critical penalty in the game. Um, but played pretty well. And he he transferred because he wasn't going to continue to play at Ole Miss. Wasn't going to play that much uh, anyway. And, and there's the salary component also. Uh, what he got at Auburn is not what he was going to get from Ole Miss, as I understand it. So, I don't know, man. I, the, the player didn't appear to be offended. So if, if he wasn't bothered, if he was engaging in good fun, then then it's fine. You don't need to be offended for an adult if he's not offended. If, if Keys had taken it and, been, and, and thought, you know, hey, this, you know, you ran me off, basically, something like that, then, yeah, Kevin needs to stay away. My, Mike but and Lawrence Obviously, says, it wasn't, that wasn't the issue. He says, as an Auburn fan, there's nothing there. I thought it was all in good humor. I, I did, too. I just thought that was kind of one of yeah. those. And, and, look, there are some coaches that if they use Twitter like that to engage with another player on another team, it probably would be an issue. But given the way that Lane uses Twitter, it's a little bit different, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. I agree with hey, you. Hey, what what did you make of the uh, the Auburn pregame tweet of Hugh Freeze with a fan, Coach Hugh Freeze with a fan? Yeah, the picture of the pregame and handshake. Got him. You, you kind of have to win if you're going to do that, don't you? Yes, you do. Yeah. You you love the always best on social media, you, right? Your, your your best material always needs to come after the fact. You know, pregame, be careful. Unless you're just a huge favorite, but and then you then you run the risk. The the usage of the Twitter machine by Hugh Freeze and Lane Kiffin is kind of on opposite ends of the spectrum, isn't it? <laughs> you're correct. That is a ap- accurate just depiction of their their lives. Yes. Um, Monday night football tonight. San Francisco is at Minnesota. Niners are five and one, coming off a loss. Minnesota is two and four. Arizona and Philadelphia playing in the NLCS right now. Arizona up 4-1 to one in what is an elimination game for them. Philly with a win will advance to the World Series. And uh, two of the greatest words in all of sports, Game 7. That's coming up tonight in the ALCS, Texas and Houston. In Houston at uh, Minute Maid, the winner is headed to the World Series. Bruce Bochy got a text from Madison Bumgarner. said, I'll pitch if you need me. Mm. I'd pick him up on it if I could. I can't, but that'd be great. Uh, I will see you boys on Friday. Have a great week in Oxford. That's right. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Good night. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. 
MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.